Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Meaning we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this gun with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Palomino. And if you're Greek, as is my case, or married to a Greek, well, I'm not Greek. I'm married to a Greek. Let me start again. (laughs) Calomino, if you're Greek, or as in my case, married to a Greek, you'll understand. The first of every month, that's the greeting. Calo, good, mino, month. Calomino. And uh, the news out of Greece today, unfortunately, not good. Not good. As of two hours ago, the death toll from the train collision in northern Greece last night has reached 38. 72 injured people, 57 remained in hospital. Six of them are in intensive care. At least 72 firefighters with 24 vehicles are on the scene. DNA samples are being used to identify the dead. A station manager of a train station in the city of Larissa was arrested in connection to the collision. He was charged with mass deaths through negligence and causing grievous bodily harm through negligence, the Larissa Police Department said. Meanwhile, in central Athens, clashes erupted between protesters and police officers outside the headquarters of Greek rail company Hellenic Train following calls for demonstrations. The Greek Prime Minister Mitsotakis has said the train collision was due to tragic human error. The Greek Transport Minister has resigned. Mitsotakis said his stance honors him as everything shows that the drama is unfortunately due to mainly tragic human error. 
adding that the uh, heads of Hellenic Railway Organization, um, OSE, and its subsidiary have also submitted their resignations. The Greek prime minister said that during his visit at the hospital in Larissa, where many of the injured are being treated, he met relatives of the dead and the missing. He said, they asked me why, and they told me never again. We owe them an honest answer, he said. So obviously, um, thoughts and prayers go out to everyone if affected by this tragedy. And I, I, I don't mean to politicize this, but I simply can't ignore, I cannot ignore the stark contrast. So we have this horrible tragedy occurring. Human error is quickly and publicly identified. The person in charge is arrested. The minister in charge promptly resigns. The heads of the Hellenic Railway Organization and its subsidiary also immediately resign. That's accountability. That's justice. Doesn't bring back the dead or heal the wounded. But at least it demonstrates there's some accountability there. And this is in painful contrast to how politicians operate in North America. Now, I understand that the train collision in Greece, far more serious. Uh, I mean, we had this train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, possibly causing an environmental and health catastrophe. And the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, doesn't even bother to show up for three weeks or talk about it for several weeks. And when he does, he refuses to answer questions from reporters. Here in Canada... We have serious questions about the integrity of our elections. It could be one of the greatest political scandals of the last hundred years. And the prime minister calls anyone who asks questions about communist Chinese interference in our elections as a racist. A stark contrast indeed. So let me give you a, a perfect example of how ridiculously rigged and corrupt our system is here. And why increasingly more and more Canadians are throwing up their hands and quietly quitting the election process, which I don't advise. So we have a whistleblower inside CSIS reaching out to the Globe and Mail and Global News and revealing that CSIS approached Trudeau's advisors before the 2019 election and warned about efforts by the CCP to interfere in our election. Citing tools such as coercion, threats of kidnapping, cooperation with criminal gangs, bribery. And they were also warned about interference in 2021. Allegations that up to 11 liberal candidates in Toronto were assisted by the communist Chinese. That's pretty serious, to say the least. Trudeau denies everything and tells reporters it's racist to even ask about it. Then he tries to assure us everything is under control and that Canada has a task force made up of top public servants who've been asked to look at election interference. And the task force released its report seven months before the, or after, sorry, seven months after the 2019 election. And the report concluded the election integrity is in place. Everything's fine. No interference here, folks. Now, who wrote the report? That's a good question. Who wrote the report stating there was no election interference in 2019, despite what this CSIS whistleblower has stated. Who wrote the report? Someone named Morris Rosenberg. 
Who is Morris Rosenberg? He's the former head of the Trudeau Foundation. (laughs) And while he was head of the Trudeau Foundation, which was named after Pierre Elliott Trudeau, while he was head of the Trudeau Foundation, millions of dollars poured into the foundation from communist China. The National Post has reported that several years ago, that in uh, 2015, foreign donations rose from $53,000 in 2014 to $428,000 in 2015 and $535,000 in 2016. So apparently $1 million was donated to the Trudeau, Trudeau Foundation from Chinese billionaire Bin Zhang who, as it turns out, only donated after he was requested to do so by a Chinese diplomat. In other words, a communist Chinese official who then promised to reimburse Bin Zhang. In other words, the $1 million that flowed into the Trudeau Foundation came from the CCP. And the man in charge of the foundation at the time is the same man writing a report which concludes the 2019 election was just hunky-dory. Now, we wrote another report for 2021, but we haven't seen that one yet. And this is what passes as openness and transparency in Canada. Remember, Pierre Trudeau was an admirer of the horrific mass murderer, the worst mass murderer in all of history, Mao, responsible for the murder of between 40 to 80 million victims through either starvation, persecution, prison labor, mass executions. This is a man that Trudeau admired. And his failed drama teacher son, Sox Trudeau, shares that admiration. I mean, are you starting to get the picture? The current crime minister is seriously compromised. He has to resign, at the very least. But he won't do so. He won't resign because he lacks self-awareness. He's developmentally delayed. He's narcissistic. I mean, talk about the perfect storm of character flaws. He's incredibly dim. In other words, he's Canada's Mad King Ludwig. Mad King Ludwig ruled Bavaria during the the mid-19th century. He was eccentric and handsome, and he ran around building castles, and he had a maniacal spending addiction. Sound familiar? He almost bankrupted Bavaria until his ministers had him declared insane and and deposed. And then 24 hours later, he was found drowned in a lake together with his physician. So Trudeau will not step down. He'll have to be pushed. And I'm not suggesting he should be drowned in a lake or a moat, just to be clear. But we can't wait until another election. I mean, we're not even sure at this point whether we have actual elections. And if he resigns, when he resigns, if he's pushed, can we trust the RCMP to conduct an honest and thorough investigation? What about another public inquiry? What, run by another liberal appointee? You see the difficulty? We can't trust the government. We can't even necessarily trust the judicial system or the RCMP, and we can't fix it at the ballot box because the ballot box may very well be fixed. You can line up right now uh, with your thoughts and uh, comments at 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. And I'll take your calls 
towards the uh, bottom of the hour. Harrison Faulkner from True North and host of Ratioed is going to be here momentarily to discuss whether this might finally be the end of Little Potato, the crime minister, the trust front fund brat, Canada's Mad King Ludwig. Tony Heller, founder of Real Climate Science, will be here as we push back against the death of climate change. Scott Powell, senior fellow at the Discovery Institute, will be here hour two to discuss how the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty could be the backdoor to CCP control over America. Anthony Fury, former exec at Sun Media, now a VP at True North, is apparently thinking about running for Toronto mayor. And he'll be here also in the second hour. More on CCP interference in our elections from Wyatt Claypool from the National Telegraph. And an update on Busty Lemieux out in Trafalgar uh, at the Trafalgar High School in Oakville. Uh, an update from Sue Ann Levy from True North. But first, Harrison Faulkner stands by from True North. The Richard Sarah off and running for Wednesday, March the 1st, 2023. Fact and nonverba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Is this CCP election interference scandal finally the end of the narcissistic trust fund brat, Canada's Mad King Ludwig, the crime minister? Here to discuss is Harrison Faulkner, the host of Ratioed and co-host of Fake News Friday, and a journalist and a producer for True North, True North, based in Toronto. Harrison, welcome back to the program. How are you? Doing well, Richard. This uh, this China story is really getting quite exciting. So uh, it's really taking up a lot of our focus at True North. Uh, as it should be everywhere. Uh, I was actually speaking with um, a guest columnist with the Western Standard uh, on the, on yesterday's program who noted, you know, one news outlet which has been Uh, Sort of ignoring the story, not surprisingly, is the CBC, although I think even they are now finally starting to follow this a little bit. Uh, Let me just begin with this sort of very overarching question, and that is, do you think this this spells the end finally of Trudeau? Is he going to is he going to be able to squirm his way out of this one as he has done so many other scandals? Well, you're right to point out his track record, Richard, of being able to just get himself out of pretty much everything he finds himself in. He has a uh, a special knack at getting himself into controversy and then, of course, getting out of it. Um, but this does feel different, mostly because the prime minister has lost control of CSIS. It looks as though CSIS is on a members inside CSIS. Whoever is leaking this information uh, is determined, it appears, to try and get rid of Justin Trudeau, to try and continue this until his position becomes untenable. I think we'll really get a sense of whether or not this has some serious potential if liberal MPs start to break off and say, you know what, this is just too much for me. We've gone through all of it, but how many scandals is it now, Richard? It's, you know, six, seven, eight um, scandals. At some point, certainly there have to be liberal MPs that say, I got to get out of here. I'd rather sit as an independent than be on this guy's team. I don't know. I mean, it's, you, you, you got to look at his track record, though, and just say he's gotten out of everything else. So that potential is always there as well. Right. I was making the comparison to, to Matt King Ludwig because he had I mean, he was declared insane, but 
this this fellow has no self-awareness. He's not I don't think he's going to willingly step down unless he's pushed. I mean, that metaphorically, of course, I have to point that out because Madlik King Ludwig was found drowned in a lake 24 hours after he was deposed. But um are you hearing any rumblings of a caucus revolt? It, it almost seems like we were on the cusp of one during the Emergencies Act when a number of liberal um, Quebec uh, caucus members started to raise a bit of a stink and never amounted to much. But do you think quietly backstage, maybe there is a caucus revolt in the works? I think there must be. Uh, I really do. It, it It looks as though... This one might just be too much for the prime minister. It, it just feels that way, doesn't it? It feels that way because despite all the despite all the uh, the controversy the prime minister has been in throughout his time as the prime minister, he's always had the institutions and the government on his side. It was never in question whether or not one of the most powerful institutions was actively working against him. But this is definitely what appears to be taking place, right? It looks as though CSIS is... De- determined members inside CISA are determined to try and get Trudeau out. Um, so yeah, I think there must be some sort of movement in caucus, especially given what we know a couple of them, like Joel Lightbound, is a Liberal MP that made a lot of noise uh, dis- trying to distance himself from the division during the Freedom Convoy. You got to think that's taking place now. Harrison Faulkner is the host of Ratioed and co-host of Fake News Friday on True North. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout, come back and discuss. More on the CCP election interference scandal that is uh, getting hotter by the moment. Stay tuned. More of the Richard Serrett Show right here on the mighty Saga 960. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. That's the big question. Is the slippery snake Sox Trudeau going to be able to wiggle his way slither his way out of this scandal a CSIS whistleblower indicating that CSIS agents advised those close to the crime minister back in 2019 before the election that there was CCP election um, interference afoot and again uh, in 2021 before the election Trudeau is adamant that anyone who dares to even raise this question is an avowed racist Harrison Faulkner is the host of Ratioed and co-host of Fake News Friday on True North. Um, what do you make of this uh, latest revelation? And that is that um, the uh, the task force that Trudeau referred to that is, you know, this is made up of top bureaucrats and they've been, they've been looking into election integrity and they filed a report after the 2019 election and everything is honky dory. But the person heading that task force is one Morris Rosenberg who was the head of the Trudeau Foundation when the Trudeau Foundation was taking a million dollars from the CCP, essentially. It was given by a billionaire at the behest of a Chinese diplomat. So basically, you can say that million dollars. I mean, they they promised to reimburse the billionaire. So that million dollars that flowed into the Trudeau Foundation came from the CCP at a time when Morris Rosenberg was in charge. And he's supposed to be assuring us that there's total integrity with our elections it's unbelievable really it's the most it's really the most typical thing justin trudeau could have done though right he could have i mean how typical is this he stacks a government appointed board with true loyalists we're not just talking about you know canada's top bureaucrats most of the bureaucrats are loyal to the prime minister but someone who was the ceo of the trudeau foundation talk about a loyalist right he heads up a task force 
uh, with this man at the helm. And what do you know, right as this, right as these CSIS leaks start to come down, the report drops that, you know, nothing to see here, Canada. There's nothing to worry about with this China election interference story because the guy who was the CEO of my foundation, my father's foundation, the foundation that bears my father's name, says that everything is clear. So that's fine. We're just going to move along. It's It really is typical of this government to do it. Uh, and I just have to point out the other news that came today from more, more CSIS leaks that the donors who are funding the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation were trying, were also funding the University of Montreal and wanted to get a Mao statue along with a Pierre Trudeau statue on the law school grounds of the University of Montreal. It's just, it's just hilarious, really. Right. I was uh, mentioning earlier during the monologue that that uh, Pierre Trudeau was such a great admirer of Mao, the greatest mass murderer in history. Somewhere between 40 to 80 million people were murdered under Mao's regime, either through starvation or mass executions. Uh, so uh, and 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 the, the prime minister today, also an avowed uh, fan of the Chinese dictatorship, Um Here's the, the other question, uh, Harrison, and that is, how are we going to get um, uh, satisfaction here? Because can we solve it at the ballot box if there's some question questions about, you know, the integrity of the ballot box? Can we get it through a public inquiry when all we seem to get are uh, liberal appointed judges running these whitewashes? How are we going to get to the truly get to the bottom of this? Well, that is I really don't have the answer or or know what that would even look like, Richard. I think the problem here is that the liberals have backed themselves into a corner. If they are, for example, to dump Han Dong from caucus and say you're no longer a liberal MP. Well, then that's but that's an admission of guilt, isn't it? So the government can't really just do that. They can't give us the satisfaction of booting an MP accused. And we have to remind, remember that it is an accusation. These aren't actually verified yet, but these are CSIS leaks that this liberal MP Handong was involved in a Chinese election uh, interference operation. Even if the liberals did that, which I don't think they will, is that even really going to be enough for us? How many, how many scandals are we going to let this government get away with? How many chances are we going to give the prime minister uh, to show that he is you know, clean in this instance. I think it's all—it's pretty clear. We have eight, seven years to look at. It, this happens almost every year, doesn't it? Something like this comes up where not only is the, uh, you know, the, the judgment and the, 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 the thinking of our prime minister uh, called into question, really, it, it calls into question the government. So it's not a good look. I, I really don't know how we're going to get satisfaction. Right. I don't know. Is it is it within the governor general's power to do something? Could the governor general dissolve parliament, call an election, um, call an election? I mean, in the old days, before we realized the U.N. was just a collection of, you know, Marxists and despots, we'd call for U.N. observers. That's how how we've fallen in this country. We actually need an outside third party to come in and supervise our elections. That's where we're at in twenty twenty three. Harrison, how do we listen and watch Ratioed and Fake News Friday at True North? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. 
Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Well, yeah, Ratioed is a show every Monday and Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on True North. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. And Fake News Friday, as the name suggests, is every Friday afternoon. Again, on True North, on all of the video platforms, is where you can find our work. And we also have a a long list of podcasts and other products at True North uh, for everyone's taste. TNC.news, support independent media. TNC.news. Harrison, great work as always. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. All right. We're going to open up the lines. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Your thoughts on perhaps the greatest political scandal, political or otherwise, scandal in Canadian history happening live as we speak. 289-275-9600. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Is this the end of Trudeau? Finally, at long last. This CCP election interference scandal that has been brewing really since, well, who knows how long. But now it seems to be coming to a head with these with a CSIS whistleblower and more and more allegations uh, from the CSIS whistleblower being released through the Globe and Mail, through Global News. Let's start with uh, Shay here in Toronto. Shay, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Shay, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, thanks, Richard. Uh, uh, y- yes, I'm here. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say I really appreciate your show. I think you're doing a great job of bringing a lot of uh, important uh, issues to the uh, forefront for the Canadian public. Thank you. But as far as you're welcome, as far as this uh, China thing goes, let's face it. We have a Chinese Communist Party agent running this country. There can be no doubt about it. This guy should resign. He should be put in jail, and uh, you know, you know, let, let, let's just get rid of him. The, the tragedy for me is, I'm a fairly well-educated person. I have a sister who's fairly well-educated as well. She's a typical Canadian. She has no idea about any of this stuff going on. Just like most Canadians, they just have 
they just are just out to lunch. And the people running the Liberal Party and the government of Canada right now, the people that are pulling the strings for on Mr. Uh, Trudeau, the puppet, they are very smart, and they have seen that it's very easy to manipulate the Canadian population. And unless something can be done about that, I mean, the, the essence of propaganda is you control the media, you control the message, you don't let the uh, you, you don't let people know the truth, and Trudeau and his uh, puppet masters have got this down to a science. I don't know what the answer is, but something has to be done. I I I, I just have to throw up my hands now and say, what the heck is going on? I used to be a proud Canadian. Now I'm an ashamed Canadian. All right, Shay, appreciate the call. I, I agree with just about it. We can't throw the we can't throw in jail. We obviously. I mean, I, I know we kind of we express our frustration and our anger by lock him up, lock him up, or lock Hillary up. Uh, obviously, you know we still have to we still have to uh, buy into due process and all of that, and that's that's putting the, the the cart way ahead of the horse. But will he resign? I have serious doubts that he will willingly resign. Uh, he'll have to be forced out, and that's going to have to happen from within his ranks. There'll have to be a caucus revolt. So let's hope that there are enough true Canadians inside the Liberal caucus to say, I'm putting country before party. This is just wrong. This is so wrong. And force him out force him out and then what happens after that that's that's the next question do we get deputy dum-dum deputy dimwit christian freeland in there is that an improvement or is that a back a backslide i think it's a backslide because at least she has a brain she's maniacal but she has a brain all right, let's say hi to uh, Steve. Sherman is calling from Toronto. Steve, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Hi. It's hi uh, there, Pizza ahead. Man. Hey, Pizza Man. How are you? Yeah. Okay, just to finish listening to Sherman, what a good speech. He was about to say what he was thinking. It's all true. And more people I talk to, they're clueless. I just call them moonbats now here in Canada. They have no idea. And what I'm afraid of, this Mr. Trudeau is going to bring the regime of China here with their digital ID, then comes digital currency, and then we are controlled. That's what I feel is coming, and I just feel so sorry for my grandkids that are going to live in a world like that. But they got the media, they got control, and nobody just pays attention. I just don't know. That's where we are right now in Canada and in right. the States, which is even worse. So, all right, Steve, but we can't, I appreciate it. I appreciate the call. We can't, we, it's easy to throw up our hands and say, I, I give up, no mas, I quit. But because we have children and grandchildren, we can't, we can't despair. We have to fight with everything that we have by every means, legal means that we have. Uh, let's see. Let's try. I think we can squeeze in one more. I don't have a name, but uh, someone who's calling from Toronto. Hey there. Welcome. Richard. Hi. Who's Am I that? on? It's uh, your pal. You Bill are on. Who is it? It's Bill. Hey, from Bill Pickering. from Pickering. How are you? 
Well, How are um, you? a week ago I had a complete knee. So I'm, I'm sitting here uh, with a little bit of ice, and not in my scotch, but in uh, on my knee, just uh, rehabilitating. So, but I was calling all about right, well, all the best. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm under the best hands, Ontario Healthcare. Come on, but I, that's a whole different oh, God help. topic. I don't even <laughs> I, I, what I what I experienced in the last week out of ten. There were certain aspects that were 10, and there were certain aspects, especially the hospital stay, that were, were a 2, but I don't want to get into that. What I want, I, if you remember, you were just a kitten in the 60s, but there used to be a saying, stop the world, I want to get off. And that's my sentiment that. right now. Not, not, not because of my physical thing, but because of just the turmoil and the calamity and, and just everything Everything, everything that's going on in this world—it's—it's it's just totally, totally unbelievable. So, but I think it is, and all- some of that is. But is, uh, sorry, I, I got to run, Bill. But uh, I hope your knee gets better. We're out of time. Um, that's the way they want it, though. They want our head spinning. They want us to throw up our hands. They want us to despair and give up, and we can't. We can't allow them to do that. I think we may have them on the run here. Let's see it through. Let's keep the. Uh, the pedal to the metal, as they say. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. All right. When we come back, we push back against the death cult of climate change. We've got the bedwetters, the global warming bedwetters on the run, too. we got to keep going. Tony Heller, the founder of RealClimateScience.com, joins me in mere moments. Don't go away. The Cult of Climate Change on The Richard Serrett Show. I sense we have them on the run, these global bedwetters. Thanks in large measure to our good friend Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com, holding them to account, not letting them get away with anything. And we have to be eternally vigilant because they lie, they lie, they lie. We're being told this is like the worst drought in California in, uh, what is it, 1,200 years or something. Meanwhile, they're closing down ski resorts in California, not because of lack of snow, too much snow, too much snow. Tony, how are you? I'm good, Richard. How about yourself? Very well. Thank you. Uh, is, let me just make sure I have that right. Are they claiming it's, is it the worst drought in 1,200 years or a, a, what are they saying about the drought in California? Yeah, they're, they're, I'm still seeing stories in the press claiming that California is having the, the worst drought in 1,200 years, despite the fact that they're having their snowiest winter on record and probably their coldest winter in at least 70 years. Um, now, obviously, you know, it, it's a big state. There are parts of the uh, of the state that get a lot of snow. Uh, there's, I, I mean, are there still parts of California that are technically in a drought. Uh, I mean, a while ago, we had all of this rain and flooding and so forth. Yeah, according to the U.S. government, almost the entire state is in a drought. Um, but the weather, that they've, they've had sort of universal rain and snow and cold across the entire state this winter. A lot of the ski areas are shut down right now because there's too much snow. People are can't get to their homes. The roads are completely buried. I just posted a picture from Squaw Valley of a guy shoveling snow off the roof of the lodge. 
This, this was at least 10 feet deep on the roof of the lodge. They're struggling to maintain um, functionality. And there's huge amounts of snow in the forecast for this week as well. Right. I saw, I saw pictures of, sorry, Tony, I saw pictures of snow on the Hollywood uh, sign. Uh, has that ever happened in your memory? Um, I think it's probably happened a few times. Um, there was there was snow accumulated on the beach at Santa Cruz last week, which is pretty remarkable. Yes. Yeah. And and that'll all melt and, and um, you know, there'll be well, I don't know if they have technically a spring runoff because, you know, but anyway, that that all augurs well. Right. All of that snow. I mean, it's tr- it's a problem right now. But once it melts, that's. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of snow everywhere. Um, Lake Oroville has the highest water levels for the state it's had since they started keeping records. Um, these, these, they had with the, with the huge amount of snowpack, which is about double normal. Um, the, uh, you know, the runoff's going to be huge. They're going to, once again, be having a lot of trouble with flooding. But the, the U.S. government still, in the press, still continues to make up this fake story that they're suffering a drought and suffering uh, shortages of water, which is just not the case. And those those days are long gone. What's happening in your state of Wyoming? You're having a pretty cold winter. Yeah, the, the entire West has been brutally cold this winter. We're having our coldest winter since um, at least 1978. Um, it's just been nonstop, relentless cold and snow. It's snowing right now. Um, we're, we're still having very cold January weather um, in March, and the forecast looks even worse moving forward. So, frankly, it's it's starting to get kind of depressing. Um, it'd be really nice to be able to just go outside one day and not be freezing, but it's been like this for months, snow and cold just about every day. I'm sure the the, uh, the climate cult will blame climate change uh, for the cold weather. They want it both ways. Very quickly, just about out of time here, but tell me, you have a, a, a video uh, up at realclimatescience.com uh, where you talk about another government agency. This is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric uh, Agency uh, tampering with uh, data to make, um, well, just, to, just basically to twist the entire narrative. Explain. Yeah, well, the United States temperature record doesn't support the idea of global warming. In fact, it's been shows generally cooling over the last 90 years, with the 1930s and the 1950s much hotter than recent decades. And this doesn't suit uh, their global warming agenda. So the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, starting about 20 years ago, just started altering the data. They started turning the actual the thermometer data showed cooling. They just started altering it to make it the, to create the appearance of warming, which doesn't actually exist in the data. So it's all propaganda. How do they? I mean, how, when you say they just make they make data that that actually shows lower temperatures, higher temperatures. I mean, is it that blatant? How do they, what, what form of trickery are they using? It must be a little more sophisticated than I don't know just. Right. Well, no, they, they just they massively alter the data and they use very thin justifications. They come up with um, scientific theories about why they need to alter the data. Generally, the what they actually do far exceeds anything which could be justified by their explanations. And what they tend to do is they just look for things they can change in the data 
which make it make the, the climate appear warmer, where and they ignore things like urban heat island effects, which would have the opposite effect. So it, it, it's a massive fraud. It's all driven by government propaganda money. And, and again, all of the, a lot of these temperature stations, uh, are they not located in heat islands like urban centers? I mean, at one time, maybe 100 years ago where they were placed, it was farmland or, or uh, you know, natural habitat. And now, of course, the cities expanded and encroached. Um, are a lot of these heat or these temperature stations in heat islands or cities? Well, the, the U.S. temperature record isn't too bad as far as that goes. But you have to consider, though, there's been a lot of just it doesn't have it's not just big cities that have problems with this. Small towns, um, suburban areas have a lot of issues with affecting the temperature through snow removal, heating, central air conditioning, um, asphalt, people having lawns. These have all had significant impacts on on temperatures, even in suburban areas, which um, well, you, you have all these homes, which are it's cold out. People are burning, you know, natural gas in their homes, which is releasing huge amounts of heat into the air, which is warming up nighttime temperatures. And there's no acknowledgement of this. And it's a huge problem, which is just ignored by the people who have an agenda to create the appearance of warming. Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com, RealClimateScience.com. Check out the videos there also on Rumble. And uh, how do we follow you on Twitter, Tony? You're back on Twitter. Yeah, just my handle is Tony Climate. Tony Climate. All right, Tony, you have a great rest of the week and we'll talk next week. Thanks. You too, Richard. All right. Hour two coming up. Scott Powell is uh, a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute. We'll talk about the uh, World Health Organization's pandemic treaty. Seems like Joe Biden is ready to adopt that. That could be, he says, Scott Powell, that is the back door to communist Chinese control over America. We'll also check in with Anthony Fury, VP of editorial and content at True North. He's apparently considering running for mayor of Toronto. That would be great. I think he'd be a fantastic mayor. Wyatt Claypool will be here from the National Telegraph. More on the uh, CC plot to undermine our electoral process. And Sue Ann Levy, also of True North, will be here. We'll get an update on the saga of Busty Lemieux. That's the male teacher at Trafalgar High School in Oakville, who wears a wig, miniskirt, and cartoon-sized prosthetic boobs to class. All of that coming up in mere moments right here on Saga 960. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled with the 
forces of nature. And you will atone. All right, welcome to hour two of the Richard Serrett Show. And if you missed hour one, you missed a lot. But don't despair. Still, plenty of great programming coming your way. It's kind of a uh, festival of True North contributors today, and uh, we're lucky to have them. They do great work at TNC.news. Sue Ann Levy will be here, award-winning investigative reporter with True North, and uh, we'll get an update. Today is the day, was the deadline. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. When the Halton board, the school board in Halton region, where... Trafalgar High School is located in Oakville. They had up to to today to come down to come up with a dress code. To come up with a dress code to to address (laughs) a dress code to address the case of Busty Lemieux. This is the woodworking teacher at Trafalgar High School. uh, Who either believes he is a woman. Genuinely believes that he is a woman or is putting us all on to make some point. Um, he shows up to class, woodworking class in novelty size prosthetic breasts, size D or size Z, I'm told, size Z. Imagine ordering those from Amazon. Um, in a, in a wig and a miniskirt, protruding nipples, totally wildly inappropriate, wildly inappropriate. And he's parading in front of teenagers. Um, and then there was a bit of an uproar, parents finally standing up and taking notice and objecting to this nonsense. And so the school board, of course, didn't want to, uh, well, they were hoist on their own petard because they're so woke. They dare not say anything now. Another display of moral cowardice. They can't say anything. Otherwise they'll be accused of being transphobic. So they decided they would come up with a, a dress code. And they had it up until today, and apparently, according to Sue Ann Levy, what they came up with was just a big fail. Didn't even address the issue at all. We'll also uh, continue this hour to talk about the CC plot to undermine our election system. Wyatt Claypool will be here, senior correspondent with the National Telegraph. And uh, in this case, we'll talk about the um, whether this plot undermined an anti-communist MP, Kevin Young. Anthony Fury will be here. 
He's vice president of editorial and content at True North. Terrific journalist, great guy, former executive at Sun Media, father of three young children. And uh, like many of us, he's fed up with what's happening to Toronto. And so he's apparently considering running for mayor of Toronto. I think he'd be a terrific mayor. So we'll find out from Anthony himself. You may have heard about this World Health Organization pandemic treaty draft. Beijing Joe Biden seems very enthusiastic about it. This would give the World Health Organization vast powers uh, to dictate pandemic response policy to uh, member countries. And uh, Scott Powell, who is a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute and uh, an author, Rediscovering America, says this is the back door to CCP control over America. And he joins us now. Scott, how are you? Welcome back. I'm really well. Thank you. Good to be back. Uh, so for those not uh, following along, I guess, too closely, this World Health Organization pandemic treaty draft, what what does it say basically uh, in terms of how do they how do they want to respond when the next pandemic comes along well a synopsis of what the program consists of is an an end run around all the legislatures of all the of all the participating countries all the member countries of the who and the assumption of who is that everybody's going to sign up and in the United States and in many countries, uh, for you know, for the national government, the executive typically of the national government to sign off on a treaty to to basically subordinate the rule or the sovereignty of a nation to an outside body, uh, making a treaty affects the nation, and so there's usually a provision in constitution to have a legislative legislative approval of that. In the United States, it's the Senate, and the Senate must vote with a two-thirds majority to, uh, you know, for any treaty uh, to be passed and to be applicable, to be in enforcement. So this, so what's disturbing about this in particular is that Joe Biden participated in the in looking at the language, at least his administration, and we 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 refer to Joe Biden as as being all there, and and uh, in fact, it's really the people behind him who are making these decisions. And the fact that they would just do an end run around the Senate, knowing that the Senate would reject this, is very disturbing, um, because the treaty is written such that upon signature, the the uh, the accord goes into effect. They, they're calling it an accord rather than a treaty, but it has the same, it, it is really the same as a, as a treaty. So when it gets signed, uh, basically everything changes. The sovereignty of the nation is now then subordinate to the World Health Organization with regard to health emergencies and pandemics. So uh, right at the moment, I don't know that we have any global pandemic, but they've written it the language of this treaty is very disturbing. It's very loose, uh, and they can create a uh, they can create a an, an emergency condition out of uh, you know out of non emergency factors, environmental factors even. For instance, the, the agreement calls for member states to implement one health 
surveillance, quote unquote, one health. It's a surveillance, in, <clears throat> which is so broad that it can include environmental, climate, or even agricultural emissions to be used in claims that either CO2 or other emissions would pose a health emergency. So, they, they, so, so the who could come in and declare an emergency when there really is none. But the, but the most disturbing thing about the WHO is that it is an utterly corrupt body. It is headed by the, the former uh, foreign minister of Ethiopia, who, uh, you know, who has a, the profile of a tyrant, you know, having been a member of the violent, powerful, and corrupt communist Ethiopian party known as the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front. He rose through Ethiopia's uh, autocratic regime first as a health minister from 2005 to 2012, and then as Minister of Foreign Affairs from 2012 to 2016. While he was the Minister of Foreign Affairs, he facilitated the Chinese investment in Ethiopia. China, as we have heard, is wanting to extend its influence globally through the Belt and Road Initiative. And so Ethiopia was a bit of a bridgehead, particularly under Tegros, and the record shows that he he indebted uh, the nation of Ethiopia by thirteen billion dollars to China in all the various projects that he undertook: a two hundred million dollar office building project, eight industrial parks. Uh, so Ethiopia became somewhat of a, a vassal of China. Now the Chinese observed all this. They, they, they're always they're always looking to groom people to 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 do what they call elite capture. They want to they want to capture the loyalty of elite people in foreign countries. Uh, and they could see that upward mobility for Tedros would be perhaps placing him in the United Nations World Health Organization. They did that in 2017 with the Chinese help. He was elected as the director general of the WHO. So we have a communist, anti-American, hate America guy running the WHO. Why in the world would the United States sign be involved in any uh, accord with such a body, with such leadership? Well, perhaps because uh, President Biden, like Tedros of the World Health Organization, uh, is bought and paid for. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You answered my question. If you didn't answer it, I would have. All right, Scott, I've got to take a a quick time out. Uh, Just uh, if you could hang in there, we'll come back and uh, discuss further. The World Health Organization Pandemic Treaty the back door to CCP control over America. And if Canada signs on, over Canada as well, if their interference in our elections wasn't bad enough. Back with more of my conversation with Scott Powell from the Discovery Institute right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, you may have heard of the World Health Organization Pandemic Treaty draft. Uh, Joe Biden seems to be in favor of it, is ready to sign off on it. What does that mean? I've I've heard conflicting reports that it's voluntary, but even if it is voluntary, even if it were, that would simply imagine uh, our our current uh, crime minister Justin Trudeau. He would simply and he would simply go along with whatever the WHO uh, dictated, and then would fall back and say, well. We trust the World Health Organization. We've signed on to this. Uh, and he would be emboldened, even if it were voluntary. But there's some question as to whether it is uh, or not. And this will give them far-ranging control over 
pandemic response policy in member countries. So if the World Health Organization decides that schools should be closed again, uh, whether mask mandates should be extended, vaccine passports brought back, and all of the rest of that unscientific nonsense, then it would be so. Scott Powell is a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute. His recent book, Rediscovering America, was number one in history for eight straight weeks at Amazon. Um, so just to that question, is it is it voluntary? Is it uh, legally binding? Well, what have you heard, Scott? Well, as it stands, uh, the language as of the end of last week would basically, it wouldn't be up to the people or the legislatures. It's the uh, it is the chief executive. It is the leader of the country who signs off on the accord, and then it becomes immediately binding. Now, it can be contested, of course. Um, frankly, America has a little bit of protection in that health care <clears throat> does not fall under the uh, the uh, regulation of the, of the federal government. Health care is decentralized, and it falls under the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. That is to say that each state... Uh, de- determines its own health care, its state health care policies. There's no national health care. And that's why, of course, the mandates never really got the traction in the United States that they did elsewhere because of our Constitution. So uh, I don't know that this would be different. I mean, they may Biden may want to subordinate the United States to world health care uh, diktat. But uh, I live in the state of Florida, and and uh, our governor Ron DeSantis wouldn't wouldn't hear of it, wouldn't wouldn't tolerate it for a minute. I mean, if if UN if the, if, the, if a UN police force showed up, he'd uh, uh, he'd mobilize the National Guard and kick them out. So here we have a situation where now even the Department of Energy acknowledges that the most likely scenario was that the Wuhan virus escaped from. The Wuhan lab, we had a, a scientist on Tucker Carlson the other night saying it was intentional. The CCP did this on purpose. The CCP controls the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is seeking to basically um, um, enforce lockdowns when the next pandemic comes, uh, the next pandemic to be produced by the communist Chinese in a lab in China. They've got it all locked down, don't they? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be I mean, we've already seen, uh, you know, the first act of this play. What's the second act going to be like? It's going to be more dramatic. It may be a worse type of pandemic. They will. They've learned, you know, the the Chinese didn't didn't look at um, the pandemic from a healthcare perspective. They looked at it from what happened in the free countries of the world, what what policies what policies policies did they you know did they respond with? And what they saw, of course, was that the fear factor uh, uh, was very a very powerful force in getting constitutional rights and the law suspended. I mean, there is no mandate cannot have the power of law, and yet and yet it's as though they did have the power of law. So this ne- the next round, I, th- I would expect, would be worse. But the, the positive side is that people are very rapidly awakening. Uh, they're still, you know, we still have a ways to go, but um, it, it's encouraging to see how fast people are waking up to the loss of our freedoms and to the, you know, 
we really have a, in the United States, and I think it's true for Canada, too, we really have governments against the people now. Uh, there, there's nothing that the Biden administration has done, really, that has been helpful to the American people, whether it's the southern border, whether it's stopping the uh, you know, extraction of oil and gas, of which we have plenty, uh, which, you know, when we reduce supply, inflation went up. You know, energy is the chief driver of inflation. And we just go down the list of the things that, that Biden has done, and none of them, uh, there isn't really a policy that, has, that you could say was helpful to the American people, even the one policy that, that some people could think was good, that was forgiveness of student loans. Uh, Biden, Biden hasn't been able to execute that, but he certainly released it before the election and probably got a lot of, a lot of the younger vote. Oh, we're asking um, the same types of questions up here in Canada. Uh, what is our, oh, I think you must be. <laughs> our crime minister has done for us, and he seems to be um, in the clutches of the communist Chinese. Scott Powell is a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute and author of Rediscovering America, number one on the uh, new release in history for eight weeks at Amazon. Scott, great to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Excellent. Let's do it again. Thank you. All right. When we come back. Anthony Fury from True North thinking about running for mayor of Toronto. He's next. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, candidates. Looks like are starting to line up to replace disgraced Toronto Mayor John Tory. We've uh, talked to Blake Acton, former Toronto Police services uh, well toronto police officer some 30 years in the force he's thrown his hat in the ring again chris sky very controversial figure i suppose to some um he's uh, thrown his hat in the ring not likely to get a lot of mainstream media attention then you've got others like mike layton and josh martlow likely to run now here's a fresh face this could be potentially very exciting i think anthony fury former Sun Media Executive and now Vice President of Editorial and Content at True North, apparently considering running for Mayor of Toronto. Anthony, welcome back. How are you? Great to be here. I'm doing well, Richard. Thanks for having me. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Is is it official? Are you ready to make an announcement? I am seriously considering entering the race for mayor. You know, Richard, it's it's a privilege to be a newspaper columnist, to to be in broadcasting, as you know, as you know well, in terms of a connection you develop with the audience, with the people in a city. And I've got people coming up to me on the street, older couples saying, I used to go to downtown Toronto for lunch, you know, twice a week. We don't go downtown anymore, not feeling safe. People are concerned about what's going on with the schools, shootings in front of schools. And yet we don't hear too much uh, firm response to that, that this is just not acceptable. Meanwhile, there are candidates who are talking about tearing down the gardener. They're talking about road tolls for the DVP, for the gardener, things that are just going to make people's lives more inconvenient, more expensive. And and I think whatever people's politics, I think there's a general agreement right now that this stuff is just going too far. And we need someone to say, hold on, guys, we got to reassess all of this. And I've never run for office before. I'd, I'd bring an outsider perspective to all of this. And I'm the father of three young kids. And I'm just not happy with this general sense, Richard, that Toronto is a city in decline. It really saddens me. I grew up in this town and I, I had a, a wonderful time growing up in my teens, early 20s in this city. And I, I'd like to hopefully play a positive role in, in, in helping fix things, because I don't know if the status quo voices who got us to this point are the voices to turn it around. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Now, granted, Toronto is not Chicago yet, um, but Lori Lightfoot, a, um, a mayor who presided over some ima- just terrific or not terrific, hor- horrific uh, increases in, in homicide rates in that city and violent crime and so forth, was defeated last night in the mayoral race. What what lessons are there, uh, if any? Well, you make a good point when you say Toronto is not Chicago. A lot of people saying, you know, Toronto is getting to be like New York City in the 80s. And we go, well, it's not there yet, but that's the point yet. It would be nice to do things to stop that from happening further, to sort of stop the further decline. And we've seen in other cities in Canada, Ken Sim, the new mayor in Vancouver, uh, he kicked out the old NDP aligned mayor. Uh, We have Mark Sutcliffe in Ottawa, who there was a progressive candidate, a left wing candidate who some people thought would win and she didn't. Mr. Sutcliffe broadcaster is now mayor. And one thing that's happening really across the board that I, I would really make a centerpiece of a candidacy is treatment, treatment, treatment for those poor folks who are struggling with addictions in our streets. Because when we talk about crime, we talk about mental illness, a lot of people, and I've had some meaningful conversations with with street physicians uh, who, who interact with these people, this is driving a lot of the problems. People who are committing six, seven, eight crimes a day to fuel their addiction, and they need our help. And we just opened or we announced we would be opening two more safe injection sites. And, and look, there's people who are committed to making sure people don't die of overdoses. And I, I, I respect their dedication to that. But OK, that's covered. Now we got to move on and we've got to talk about treatment because a compassionate society doesn't keep people on drugs. It gets them off of drugs. And I think that can play a centerpiece to then cleaning up so much more. What about police in the schools, putting them back in? That was an effective program. They caved to pressure. They pulled them out. And now it's like escape from New York in the halls, the corridors of our public schools. And I was looking through some Twitter pages, Richard, of of some of the ladies and gentlemen in the force who had served as these school resource officers. And there's this sense that, I don't know, they're standing there holding some weapon ready to fire it or just about ready to cuff the kids. No, I saw one officer talking about how he was taking it was a picture of him taking a a group of students to this uh, film hidden figures, which is about, uh, it was about chronicling the, the black ladies who had worked at NASA who didn't get the credit they deserve for all the work there. I think, I'm sorry, you're maligning this program as racist and this officer as racist. Meanwhile, what they're really doing is helping kids with homework, helping them with their university applications, taking them out to inspirational movies. Uh, there are some conversations that are behind us that we don't need to relitigate. This is one we really need to have the conversation on because I, I really think it's just some radical activists who don't really represent a sizable constituency at all who really pushed people on this issue. And and I think one of the things we need at city hall is someone who's not going to bow to every sort of niche loud activist campaign. And, and, And that's really definitely one of them there, the school resource officer program. 
Huge operational budget, 16 billion now under John Tory. Uh, would you bring in, would you audit every single program? Would you, I mean, evaluate it on, in terms of effectiveness before giving it the green light? I'm so glad you said that because I, I do think within 90 days, say, of forming office, there should be a review to scrutinize whether or not everything is about service delivery. So we've got taxpayers paying, as you said, about $16 billion to support these services. And then we spend a lot of resources, time, money on things like debating, should you or should you not rename Dundas Street? And whatever your opinion on that is, please, nobody can tell me that's a good use of those hard-earned dollars. No one can tell me that's service delivery for the people of Toronto of all walks of life. So I think we do need to go through everything that the city's doing and reevaluate it. And if it is not actually delivering services, let's have a conversation about whether or not we still even need it or not. Anthony, when do you imagine you'll be making a decision about whether you'll officially an- announce you're running? Uh, stay tuned. I'm, I'm having a lot of great conversations, putting together a team and, and uh, really pleased to hear from a lot of people in Toronto about uh, about their thoughts for what well, needs to happen. I hope you do. I think you'd make a terrific mayor, Anthony. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks so much for the opportunity. All right. When we come back, Sue Ann Levy and a uh, an update on the saga of Busty Lemieux. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. I jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, Sue Ann Levy will be here, but uh, in the next segment, and we'll talk about the uh, the latest, uh, an update on uh, Busty Lemieux, the uh, biological male woodworking teacher in uh, Oakville, Trafalgar High School, who um, claims that he believes he's a woman and uh, wears novelty-sized, sized Zed, prosthetic breasts in class. Uh, the Holton School Board was, was supposed to come up with a dress code as of today, and according to Sue Ann, it's a big fail. We'll get that uh, story from her in mere moments. Right now, more on the um, CC plot, CCP plot, the Communist Chinese plot, to undermine anti-communist MP Kevin Young. Wyatt Claypool, senior correspondent with the National Telegraph, is here. Hey, how are you, Wyatt? Doing great. I'm, th- I'm thankful for you having me on to talk about this. I think it's one of those uh, things that's really flown under the radar with this whole CSIS uh, investigation. Right. We've um, we've been focused on, for example, uh, the CCP using not so subtle tactics like bribery and um, uh, colluding with criminal gangs to coerce people into voting for liberal uh, candidates in up to 11 ridings, for example, in Toronto. We've talked about uh, Morris Rosenberg, the former head of the Trudeau Foundation. Um, being present when uh, a communist Chinese uh, official basically donated a million dollars to the Trudeau campaign. But we haven't talked about um, uh, Kevin Young, Liberal Party candidate during the 2021 election. Uh, He was elected and then they dropped him like a hot potato. He sat as an independent um, after it was disclosed that he had been charged with sexual assault. So how do we connect that to the CCP election interference. So it seems like a little bit of a far call, but what you have to realize is Kevin Bong is specifically a is the son of a refugee family from South Vietnam. He is a absolutely dedicated. He might be a he might be a liberal, but I feel like the 
a lot of conservatives could get behind this guy. He is an absolute anti-communist. He's a, a veteran from the military. And somehow, while he's running as a star candidate for the liberals, someone who is very upstanding, so the sort of guy any, I think a lot of people could agree on is a, is a good person, suddenly, seven days before an election, you have this scandal break from the Toronto Star, which has been absolutely sucking up to the liberals the entire election in order to uh, destroy a liberal candidate. It seems a little bit odd. And then you kind of look into the, the Kevin Vong's background of being anti-communist and having occupied the seat that Han Dong originally had wanted because it was over Han Dong, the uh, liberal MP whose thesis is investigating for CCP corruption. That he's in this, he has the Spadina Fort York riding the Han Dong used to have the provincial version of, and that he wanted back after Adam Vong had given it, uh, Adam Vaughn, the former liberal candidate uh, MP of Spadina Fort York, when he gave it to Kevin, uh, from what I've heard in the background is that that made Han incredibly angry, and the CCP network also didn't want Kevin to be elected because having a anti-communist within the liberal government poses a big threat to them because of Kevin, and I believe that he would be this way, if he saw anything, any sort of collusion with the Chinese Communist Party, he might act as a whistleblower and call it out. So they tried to nuke him right before the election happened to try and keep him from actually being elected, and they failed since that he, they couldn't take him off the ballot within a week of the election they thought they could, so that Kevin still was able to pull it out and was elected as an, an independent MP. And since then, he actually has demonstrated that he does take foreign interference seriously and has been going off on the uh, Chinese Communist Party's interference and the Iranian government's interference in Canadian elections and institutions. So this uh, story in the Toronto Star where he was he was charged, I believe, formally charged with sexual assault. Uh, the, the Crown prosecutor uh, later dropped the charges because he, he vehemently you know, denied any wrongdoing. Uh, the circumstances were rather suspect, uh, at least as far as I can they, tell. They literally couldn't find a piece of evidence on him other than the fact that someone had made an allegation and then effectively disappeared afterwards and didn't really engage in any way. Again, like it, it, it's, it's telling that in Toronto, you can get you can get charged for sexual assault in Toronto very easily based on a single allegation, and they'll push it all the way to trial, no matter how flimsy it is. The fact that they dropped it as quickly as they did is very telling. Like, it was it was done it, it, like a female prosecutor in a room with a female judge said, yeah, this is not in the public's interest, and then it, it dumped the case. After saying that they had done their due diligence, they had talked to the to the to the uh, complainant, they had talked to the uh, officer who had gotten all the supposedly has gotten all the information on the event that supposedly happened, and then they just saw no reason to push it forward. Which, in legal terms, means there's nothing here. So, the if we connect the dots, you're saying it sounds like perhaps um, these charges were trumped up in order to um, uh, basically. Um, you know, side rail his his uh, liberal candidacy, um, and because and this they, has happened was, before, right? Because they knew that he yes. was anti-communist. Yeah, because when because uh, Handong, the liberal MP who's CCP connected, when he left provincial allegedly, politics after losing the election. Yeah, allegedly. Sorry. In, in 2018, when he lost the provincial election, he then moved over federal politics. And he because because uh, of Adam Vaughn being in the Spadina Fort York riding, uh, he couldn't take that one. So he went up to Don Valley North, where it, CSIS has alleged that uh, former liberal MPP Michael Chen helped uh, nuke Gang Tan, the uh, the 
liberal MP who was occupying Don Valley North. And they also did that with a bunch of uh, basically uh, like affair uh, allegations of Gang Tan having an affair, which he's vehemently denied. But it forced him to drop out because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to win an election with that kind of fake scandal following him. So make room for the pro-communist Chinese candidates, in other words. Yeah, and I, I think that if we go through a lot of, I think if we investigate a lot more of these uh, instances of interference, you're going to start finding a big pattern of a lot of sexual uh, sort of allegations being made about people in order to sort of get that uh, effect of people wanting, of voters wanting to back off that candidate in the short run so they can be able to slide in and get, uh, and get their guy in, in, the, in the riding. All right. Great work connecting the dots, Wyatt. Appreciate your time. Of course. Have a great day, Richard. Wyatt Claypool, senior correspondent with the National Telegraph, the nationaltelegraph.com, support independent media. All right. Next, Sue Ann Levy from True North, the latest on the saga of Bastille Lemieux. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. So today's the day. Today is the deadline. The Halton School Board, Halton Region School Board, was supposed to come up with a dress code uh, in order to address the situation with Busty Lemieux. This is the woodworking school, uh, woodworking class um, teacher who claims to identify as a female. He wears a wig, a, a miniskirt, size Z, prosthetic breasts with protruding nipples and um so under pressure, finally, the Halton School Board said, OK, we'll come up with a dress code uh, to, um, you know, to address this situation. Today's the day. Sue Ann Levy is with us, award winning investigative reporter with True North, author of Underdog Confessions of a Right Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. So how did they do, Sue Ann? Uh, they get an F, Richard, for the report. The report is just a shameful piece of crap, I have to say. It's full of gobbledygook. It talks about the definition of a policy, the definition of procedures. It only acknowledges why they need the policy, uh, but doesn't provide a policy. No, in, in no indication what they will do to make this teacher dress more professionally, or anybody else for that matter. I mean, these people get paid the big bucks. Curtis Ennis, the education director of the Halton School Board, must be making upwards of 200 grand per year, maybe more. And he couldn't even put together, cobble together a few ideas on how they're going to make their teachers, specifically Busty Lemieux, more professional looking. Under, um, I mean, they were, were they ordered by the Ministry of Education to come up with a dress code? How did that happen? How were they uh, in this position? Well, for the longest time, uh, the minister, Stephen Lecce, didn't say a word. Um, it just dragged on, and the board became an international laughingstock. Uh, you know, funny thing, I was talking about it with some uh, cousins who we had dinner with last night, and here I, and then they text me a few minutes later uh, after we've left dinner that um, they're covering it again on Fox News. So this has become a regular a dose of hilarity on Fox News, this whole story. And they continue to show pictures, and they really went after uh, the education director. So um, it gathered steam. It became a laughing stock, the board itself, and the subject of many stories, even overseas. 
So the minister finally weighed in in December and said, you know, you've got to do better. You've got to put an end to this. So the board itself, the trustees voted on January 3rd to ask the uh, education director to come up with a policy by March 1st and an interim report in February. And I knew that we were headed for disaster because the interim, when he reported on it mid-February, he said absolutely nothing. He said, well, I think we better consult. Uh, I haven't started yet. I'll maybe start a week before the deadline, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think that this is shameful. The guy should be terminated. Well, you use the, the perfect expression, which is the school board is ragging the puck. Yes. Ragging, in other words, it's delay, 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 kick the can down the road, rag the puck. Yes. Uh, yes. Meanwhile, um, the New York Post reported, was it last week? They have pictures of Busty Lemieux off hours outside of class, dressed right. normal male attire without the prosthetic breasts. Yet this guy is still claiming that, these, you know, these uh, prosthetics are real. Um mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that evidence that he's just further evidence that he's just perpetrating some kind of a, a hoax? A, a hoax on the system. Well, then, he, uh, you know, this guy is having a great time. He's he's making a mockery of that school board. Whatever way, wh- whether he's really trans or he's just making a joke of it all, because then he spoke subsequently to my former uh, colleague, Joe Warrington, and rep- said that he had some a really rare disorder that caused him to grow breasts in his 30s, unusually heavy mammoth-sized breasts. Joe did a story. Of course, you would do a story. I'd do a story, too. But it was it's become a circus. And the guy said that those are real breasts. They're not, and he can't wear a bra because he can't find one to fit him. Right, right. Well, how does he explain the uh, the pictures on the front page of the New York Post where he clearly uh, is not sporting size D uh, breasts? Um, I mean, all it would take is one stern letter from the Minister of Education, I would think, and he could put an end to this nonsense. Agreed? I agree. Uh, but the board has just gone so far down the road, you know, and allowed this to fester so much. I wonder if they should be taken over or because uh, obviously this has been an act of insubordination. But of course, in our woke school boards now, um, nothing gets handled in a decisive manner, not by the education ministry and certainly not by the trustees. It'd be interesting to see what they say tonight to the education director, but his, uh, I mean, the report is actually laughable and it's, uh, is 20 pages of, I kid you not, gobbledygook. <laughs> it's right up there with the dog ate my homework, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Sue Ann Levy, award-winning investigative reporter, True North, author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker, available at Amazon. Sue Ann, great work. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Richard. Take care. Bye for now. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody Declan and Money. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's
That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.